0: Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting happiness with Lisa cypress Cayman is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa cypress Cayman is a wide Widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypers Kamen.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. So let's get to it today, because I love talking about food, and really what we're talking about today is the glory, the goodness, the gladness, and how and what great food gives us. My first guest today is Christy Jordan. She is the author of Come Home to Supper and Southern Plate. She is also the publisher of SouthernPlate.com, which draws millions of visitors eager for her comfort food, and warm, wise stories. She's appeared on the Today Show, Paula Dean, The Talk, QBC, and a host of other media outlets. For nine generations, her family has enjoyed the sweetness of living in Huntsville, Alabama. And we are celebrating her latest book, Sweetness, Southern Recipes to Celebrate the Warmth, the Love, and the Blessings of a Full Life. Amen and welcome. Hi, Christy.
2: Hey, Lisa, thank
1: you so much for having me. Oh, well, I am delighted that you're here. I love comfort food. I love making comfort food, being cooked for with comfort food, sitting around the table. Why is it that we cook? I mean, we know we need to eat, so we know we need food. But it's that process of cooking that is something different. You
2: know, I really believe it. It's all about the memory. It's all about bringing back the old days, making those old recipes that we grew up with. And, you know, when Grandmama cooked that recipe for you, she did it to show you that she loved you. And that's what makes it so special. So when we recreate those recipes, we're telling the stories of the people who made them for us. We're sharing those recipes with them. And then we're also creating those memories for them and showing them that we love them. Cooking is an act of love. at the soul of it. And so... That, that's the main point of everything
1: for me. You know, I, I so agree with you that cooking is an act of love. It is an expression. But you touched upon something else that I don't think that we necessarily think about when we sit around the table eating our grandma's or our mom's favorite recipe. And that is the, um, the storytelling, the, the, his, the history and the tradition that follows these recipes is something that sometimes is, is overlooked.
2: Yeah, and in my family, we've always passed down the stories of the people who made the recipes with the recipes. Like, for example, my Mama Reed, it was my mother's favorite grandmother, and I never knew Mama Reed. But every time Mama would make one of her recipes, she would tell me all about the kind of person Mama Reed was and how good she was to her and how much she loved her, and she would tell me stories about the meals that Mama Reed made. And Mama Reed had 10 kids, and she cooked three big meals every day. And she always said, always set the table like the president's coming for supper. And so she set out the finest of everything she had for her family at every meal. And now when I make Mama Reed's recipes, I feel as if I know her. I have a relationship with her through the generations. And I tell those same stories to my kids and to my daughter. And so it's really about passing it down your heritage It's a history lesson, but it's also a character lesson. You know, I learned at the dinner table growing up the kind of people I came from and the kind of person I was expected to be when I went out into the world. And so it's such it's such a powerful tool with families and in raising children especially is passing down these stories along with them. They're just they're just tools. They're living history lessons.
1: Uh, I agree. You know, and I, I, I want to pause here for a second because there might have been a little bit of noise on the podcast and I wanted to just share with the world that we're broadcasting from Southern California from the beaches. And I think we just had a little tremor and um, everything rattled on my end. So if, that, if you heard a little noise, that's what that was. And we're, we're keeping calm and cool and collected here. But um, it's interesting, you know, life is moving, even even though you and I are engaged in this conversation, clearly things are moving around us. Let's talk about um, the part of faith. And I, I, I think that the, the idea of, of faith and hope and belief in something better is what drives humanity forward. And how does this play into this process of cooking and comfort food?
2: You know... We have so many blessings in our lives, and the thing, that, the thing that we focus on, the thing that stays at the forefront of our lives, it's what we see the most. And I think in today's world, we also have some valid concerns. We have a lot of worries. Um, there's a lot of anxieties for any adult functioning in this world, and we tend to give them the most of our attention, and so that becomes the focus of our lives. And it's so important that we step back and we step away from that and we open our eyes and look around to the true wealth that is all around us. And it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with the size of your house. It it really has nothing to do with the food that you put on your table. It's the people around that table. And that's where our true wealth lies. And that's where the richness of our life comes from. And, you know, a lot of times I, I tell people, you know, the economy hasn't been good to us <laughs> for a while now. But I think a lot of blessings have come out of it because, Maybe, you know, rather than leaving early and going to a drive and getting coffee, you're sitting at the table drinking your coffee with your kids and talking to them. And instead of going out to eat all the time, we're coming home a little more often, and we're focusing more on the heart, the home, and the family. Um, so there's, been, there's blessings in every situation, and it is my sincere hope to help people focus on those.
1: I, I agree, you know, and I think back to the last several years and the the recession and how it affected my family and our process of, re- of rebounding and rebuilding and how my gift giving changed and how it became very handcrafted food based. So it was really about going back to basics, going back to the simple things and this process of really showing my love through what I could cook, what I could create and what I could give to others so every time they ate that or they asked for the recipe and they cooked it themselves there was a connection back to our story so this really is very circular and a and a cycle that ties together so beautifully i think
2: yeah and how what a blessing you gave to them you know one of the things um i i don't we talk about gift giving and stuff i don't need anything that someone can buy i if i need something it is a genuine need i go get it so when and, and I, I told my mother recently she asked what I want for Christmas and I said, Look, if I need something I go get it and if I can't afford to buy it, you certainly can't afford to buy it. Make me something. <laughs> Just make me something. That's all I want. Because you're giving of your heart. You know, it's it's a whole different experience. Um and I really taught that to my kids a lot. We I made a uh, forty five miniature red velvet cake two weeks ago, <laughs> you know. So we do a lot of things from the kitchen. Um, A lot of things from our heart, and I think the beauty of it is people are valuing that stuff now more than ever, you know, because people, a lot of people don't make home-baked goods and stuff. And so rather than giving them something they have to dust or put batteries in, give them something they can enjoy. Give them something that is part of your heritage, part of your home. Throw in the recipe so they can recreate that. That is a wonderfully rich gift, and it carries so much more meaning than something you could buy.
1: I I agree. I'm I'm a big fan of it. Let's talk a little bit about Southern hospitality because uh, there is a difference. There is, to me, a very distinct difference between the hospitality that you see on the coast, East and West, and what you find in the South. There is a big-heartedness and it's like go big or go home, but there's also something more. Talk a little bit about that.
2: You know, I think a lot of it comes from. Um, I know in my in my family, I can only speak for my family, but um, I'm the first generation on both sides of my family to have never known hunger. And there were times growing up where my parents were sitting they were busy um, while we ate, and we didn't understand them not sitting down with us. But then you grow up and you realize most of the night that there wasn't enough food, and they wanted us to eat first and then they would eat what was left. And so that really changes your appreciation of food, and of meals together. And, you know, I just, I have a totally different way of looking at food, and that, that's how I love on people. I, I want to show you I love you by cooking for you, by taking care of you. That's how my grandmother, that's how my mother, that's, what, cooking is an act of love. And so when I cook for somebody, it you know, it, it's my show of I appreciate you, I love you, I want you to know that I care about you. And we always, we have a joke in my family, we say, you know, we're always one meal away from starvation. So I don't just cook. There may be four people here, but I'm going to cook enough for a small army. And when you leave, you're going to have to take a plate with you. You're going to take some more food, you know. <laughs> We're constantly trying to give things to people. My great-grandmother was bad about, you could not leave her house unless she gave you a gift. She had to give you a gift. And so what we would do for her gifts and stuff is we would go find things for her to give away. That's what she wanted. She wanted to give things to people, you know. Um so it works out really great with food and the quantities we cook. <laughs> it's very yeah. helpful. I love to feed my neighbors. I love to send food to my husband's work. I send food with my son to his friends. When I was in college, I was living with my grandparents, and Grandmama insisted on packing me a lunch every single day. And then she found out, I tried to tell her that I ate lunch with some friends. And I was saying this to think of, you know, Grandmama, I'd kind of like to eat after college. I, I don't need to pack lunch. Well, she took it the complete opposite way. So the next day she had packed lunches for all of my friends too. <laughs> so,
1: what a great story, mom, though. I mean, too. that is really about yeah. spreading the love. And there's, there's a generosity that comes with cooking for others. And I love what you, you tell about your family always sending, you know, care packages or big doggy bags to take home because – That is this other way of showing our appreciation of gifting, you know, of gifting the goodness that we had. You said something that really took my breath away, and that was talking about being the first generation that didn't have to worry about having enough food. And that is something Mm -hmm. that I think many of us overlook. We take for granted that we even have a table that is filled with food.
2: We really do, and I struggle with that. Even as, as a food blogger, um, I struggle with that because my I look at food differently. I don't consider myself a foodie. I don't consider myself a chef. I'm a cook, and I'm a mama. And I, there's never been a time that I have to a meal on the table, and I haven't thought how blessed I am that I don't have to worry about my kids being hungry. You know, these are concerns my parents had. Are my kids going to be hungry? Do they have enough? And we never had to do it because they were so concerned with it. And we're so blessed now. But as a food blogger, it's difficult because you have to try to make food look pretty. Well, I don't, personally in my life, I don't care what food looks like. You make me food, I'm proud to have it, you know. Um, so <laughs> but I'm your sure food does look, look food. pretty. I am holding your book in my so, hands. There's like, there's like and every one of these I mean. pages says, looks okay, pretty pretty to me. Right. We have to get this right. We need to, you know, put a garnish on it. And the rest things is like, these people just need to be glad they got food because people don't know how blessed they are to have this food, you know. So there's yeah. this constant battle within me.
1: We are going to need to take a break, but before we dance off to the break, I want to have our listeners visit Christy Jordan's website, southernplate.com. You can connect with her on Twitter, at southernplate and on Facebook, that page is Southern Plate Family. And you can also tweet using the hashtag Southern plate. Once again, my guest has been and will continue to be Christy Jordan, the author of Sweetness, Southern Recipes to Celebrate the Warmth, the Love, and the Blessings of Full Life. Here come the tunes. We will be right back.
3: We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com.
4: Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Cayman has made her first ebook, "Got Happiness Now: Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life," available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com.
3: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness. Because happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit about the recipes because you have some recipes in here that are considered lost recipes like butter rolls, wonder cake, water pie, feather light chocolate biscuits. A lot of us have never even heard of these.
2: And that's the beauty of it. These are recipes that are um, old Southern recipes. They were sharecropper recipes, a lot of them. And they came from really hard times where people, they didn't ever write down the recipe, they just passed down the recipe. And so many of the people, the Southerners particularly that I know grew up with these recipes but they don't, they don't have a way to recreate them because they didn't write them down. And in some cases, even, you know, you go back far enough, the ancestors weren't able to write them down. You know, they may yeah. not have had that kind of education um, to be able to write. I know my great grandmother went to third grade, and she was so proud that she could write her name. You know, she was just really proud of that. She was a very intelligent woman, but she had to work. She didn't have time to go to school. So what I try to do is bring back these recipes and recreate them for people with butter rolls. That was one I've had so many people email me about, and my grandmother used to make me butter rolls all the time, and it's actually a dessert, and it is—it's just a little bit of heaven. It's a biscuit dough that you spread with softened butter and sprinkle a little sugar on. And then sprinkle just a tad of cinnamon. Then you roll it up and cut it like cinnamon rolls and put it in a pan. Then you mix up a sweet milk sauce with milk and vanilla and a little bit of sugar and you pour that over it. So it ends up being this warm, baked, dumpling like dessert that cooks on a cloud of vanilla custard. And it's just comfort food at its finest, but it was one of those recipes that sharecroppers made all the time because it was easy. You had the ingredients on hand for it. And I used to tell grandmama, I need you to give me that recipe. And she'd always say, "Well, it ain't really a recipe. You just take a little of this and a little of that." And I explained to her one day, I said, "Grandma, I can't share that with people. I can't, I can't relay that on the internet and have them be able to do that." So I went to her house and I measured everything, and then I was able to share that recipe. And it's so precious to me. I came up with a shortcut version because I don't want anybody to have an excuse not to make butter rolls. <laughs> so in the book, there's a homemade and there's a shortcut version using crescent roll dough. And then one of my readers sent me her grandmother's chocolate butter roll recipe. There's actually three butter roll recipes in there. But once you – there's nothing like it. I can't tell you – I can't compare the taste to anything else. But once you have it, it's going to be in your memory the rest of your life. And you're going to have to have it on a regular basis.
1: You know, the story that you just told about your grandma not knowing the the actual um quantity, the measurement, the measurements for the ingredients and you going to her house and you taking down the measurements and and going through her oral storytelling of what happened in the history of how that recipe came to be is really the essence of what you're talking about. What what makes this story of food so special. Yeah, absolutely.
2: You know, they they come. I always tell people I'm not very special, but I come from a long line of really good people. And so I'm able to tell their stories in the past and their history through the recipes. Every recipe that belongs to them triggers a memory. And I'm going to tell you, and I do this in my book, this is the kind of person they were. Let me tell you a story from their life, you know. and And those stories inspire us, and it helps bring to mind stories of our ancestors and our grandparents. And they encourage us and they uplift us. And I think they put us on the path to being better people. You know, a big misconception in younger people is that the world is so different and has changed so much that the older generations can't possibly offer any wisdom to us. And I think they're missing out. The fact that we have electronics and shiny, beepy things changes nothing about the essence and the course of life. And in going through life, And navigating this, relationships and families, one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is to talk to people who've already gone down the road that we're going down. You know, we're going on this trip blindly, and they have the map. And so I'm hoping so badly in this book to help open people's eyes to that generation as well. And while they're still with us, talk to them. Bring as much wisdom as you can, and I'm going to share the wisdom that I've gotten from them in my writing, every
1: opportunity that I get. Well, and and it's so beautifully done. We didn't have time to really get into some of these other recipes, and we are almost out of time. But I want to urge our listeners to, of course, buy the book, Sweetness, Southern Recipes, to celebrate the warmth, the love, and the blessing of life. But to turn to page 205, because there is a divine recipe on that page for overnight stuffed French toast with strawberry syrup. Mm, mm, mm. oh my gosh (laughs) this sounds amazing (laughs) christy thank you for being with us and before you head out and before we go to break i want to give your contact information once again my guest has been christy jordan her website is southernplate.com on twitter you can connect with her at southern plate and on facebook that page is Southern Plate Family. And once again, that hashtag is Southern Plate. The book, One More Push, is Sweetness, Southern Recipes to Celebrate the Warmth, the Love, and the Blessings of a Full Life. Or of Full Life, rather. Thank you, Christy Jordan. Blessings to you. Thanks for being with us.
2: Thank you so much. You, have, an a us. you have a
1: great holiday season. Bye. I wanted
3: to fight. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break.
4: Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook. Got happiness now: eight keys to unlocking a joyful life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com.
3: Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about food, glorious food. Food does so well on our show because food and happiness go hand in hand. But what happens when we narrow down a category of food and really expand on its virtues we are talking about smashed mashed boiled and baked and fried to a celebration of potatoes in 75 irresistible recipes my next guest is the author raghavan Iyer, a james beard award winner and an iacp award-winning teacher of the year He is the author of 660 Curries, Indian Cooking Unfolded, and uh, and other cookbooks. He has written for Cooking Light, Fine Cooking, Savor, Weight Watchers Magazine, Eating Well, and many other publications. He's also the host of the Emmy Award-winning documentary, Asian Flavors. Born in Mumbai and fluent in six languages, Raghavan Ayer now lives with his family in Minneapolis. Welcome, Raghavan. Thanks for joining us.
4: Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's really a pleasure to chat with you about potatoes.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, well, it's just food in general. First, I want to say that um, Indian food is my favorite food on the planet. I was introduced to it as a young girl growing up in New York City. So the mm-hmm. flavors, the textures, the consistency, the smell, everything about it is, to me, happiness. And now to look at some of your other books or your newest books, Smash, Mash, Boiled, and Baked, talking about potatoes. What makes the potato so special?
4: Well, I think this is a a vegetable that is truly um, ubiquitous and uh, versatile in its usage. Uh, There's a reason why it is the fourth largest crop in the world. And uh, to see how it has shaped um, cultures and it's brought down civilizations, I believe, uh is is a great um testimony to its um to its largeness in many ways so uh, i just uh, love everything about it and i think is uh, uh there's uh that's probably one of the few reasons why the world has embraced this um very humble but lovable tater
1: <laughs> the humble but lovable tater. <laughs> and, you know, what's, what's interesting about potatoes is they're fairly inexpensive. So when you're talking about feeding a family, you know, and being um, budget conscious, mm-hmm. this book represents really an opportunity to get very creative with the tater.
4: And I think you that's the other nail I think you've hit on the head is, is the fact that it is a very inexpensive vegetable that is accessible to um, the common person. And... Um, uh, and you think about um, the two countries that are uh, the leading producers of potatoes in the world, India and China, and I think it uh, it truly um, proves to you uh, you know, how accessible it is becoming and uh, more so than ever. Um, so I, I, I think I'm totally with you about that.
1: Talk about the kinds of potatoes, because being a potato lover myself, I've explored the gamut that is available out there
4: it um i think you know uh, well of course you know worldwide there's probably over 5000 varieties of potatoes and um no. uh, about, really? yeah yeah and about 3500 of them are available just in um uh, south america alone uh, but i think in in north america and these parts of the world um we don't have as many varieties as you would find to our um uh, in our southern partners but i feel like uh it's becoming more and more popular, uh, but I've really tried to um characterize uh, potatoes not by the name of the varietal, but I try to group it under two main categories, which is um uh, flowery and uh, waxy potatoes uh, so when you think about you know the two main categories of potatoes, the flowery potatoes are high in starch and low in moisture while you're um uh, Waxy potatoes are high in moisture and low in starch. So um, I think when we still go to the grocery store, we end up looking for the type of potato. We don't necessarily uh, look for, you know, the yellowfin or the Kennebec or Anway. Uh, we look for basically the color of the potato and um, what it's going to be used for. So I try to, in the recipes, um, um, uh, project the potatoes in that light because that's how people will shop. But the book does have um, a, a few listings of the varietal names that are more commonly available in um, in this neck of the woods. Um, and so uh, I think depending on the kind of usage you're looking for, you know, for instance, if you're going to mash it or you're going to bake it, you want something with low moisture. And so, um, you know, you look at the world of most of them, end up being in the white category potatoes, and so that's uh, what you look for. Uh, But if you're doing uh, potato salads or you're going to do something with uh, uh, boiling, for instance, um, and even pan roasting it, so you want to leave your chunks whole, that's uh, when you reach for um, the waxy potatoes.
1: Fascinating. I had never really thought of the potato in those two categories, although I live in an area uh, where we have really... uh, magnificent farmers markets and at my local farmers market there is a a farmer that brings in the most beautiful vibrant they're blue potatoes they're Mm -hmm. uh, they're originally from asia and they're supposed to be the highest antioxidant food in the world more than berries Mm -hmm. i don't Mm -hmm. know the name of this potato but i'm fascinated by it and its taste
4: hmm uh it um and that's what you're actually starting to see now is you know consumers are demanding um uh, potatoes that are looking um uh, you know more beautiful as well so the darker colored potatoes are making themselves um uh well known in the marketplace and um and so i think um you know because it goes to the fact that we eat with all our senses and so we have so many different varieties that are Uh, beautiful because of that and uh, some of the purple uh, like the Peruvian purple uh, for instance is something that uh, is known to be native in Peru and Bolivia and Ecuador Um, and uh, they also have a high resistance to disease and so you know perhaps uh, that's one of the reasons why you're starting to see them uh, a little bit more widely available as well.
1: What about the nutrition in a potato you know so often we hear that potatoes
4: lack nutritious value, that it's an empty food,
1: but I think you're going to tell us something
4: different. I am, and I think, you know, potatoes from a nutritional standpoint are a very nutritious vegetable. Uh, There's a reason why when you think about a country like Ireland, you know, in the heydays, they really relied so much on potatoes and a less known fact, but the average man in the household, um, you know, before the blight hit was... um, uh, they would eat about 10 to 12 pounds of potatoes a day, and uh, and that was just about it. And just to show you the high reliance uh, based on the fact that um, they have such great nutritional value, they are a, they are a great source for complex carbohydrates, uh, which is, as you know, is very necessary for your body to perform optimally in terms of generating energy. A great source of vegetable protein as well, Um, and uh, it's uh, high amounts of vitamin C, potassium, magnesium, vitamin B6, and as you mentioned earlier, you know, some of the darker varieties of potatoes are also uh, have high levels of antioxidants, Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I, uh, and I think a lot of nutritionists will agree as well that it is a, a potato as a vegetable is really quite nutritious.
1: But when we talk about potato in its uh, favorite form in the Western world, which tends to be as the French fry. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
4: Which is my favorite, too. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, Maybe there's a healthier way we can use some of these higher uh, nutritional value uh, forms of potatoes to, to make
4: our fries. Absolutely. And also, you know, I think one of the other things that I talk about, you know, is uh, if you're looking to, some people ask me, you know, can I bake my french fries? And uh, there's a technique to doing that, actually. And so this is where you use uh, the science of potatoes a little to your benefit. Uh, Normally, you will never store potatoes in refrigerators because the um, uh, starch gets converted to sugars and they burn very quickly. Um, and so that's why um, you should not do that but if you are planning on baking uh, french fries in the oven as opposed to deep frying them uh, then i do recommend actually uh, refrigerating uh, the russet potatoes which is what i i feel is the workhorse of potatoes that works best for french fries as well and then you know when your starches are getting converted to sugars that's the best way to uh, to use them um, in the oven. So uh, there's some benefit to that as well. So uh, you're right, you know, uh, some of the more nutritious potatoes also work well, but they may not necessarily be the best in terms of deep frying because of the starch content.
1: Fascinating. I am a refrigerator potato person, and I will stop doing that immediately. I didn't know that. (laughs) We're going to go to a break. Um, But before I do, I want to give your contact information to our listeners. The book, once again, is Smashed, Mashed, Boiled, and Baked. Um, the website is www.ragavanire.com and on Twitter he can be found at 660curries at and on Facebook that page is ragavan.ire and let me spell that out for you it's R A G H A V A N dot I Y E R. Here come the tunes when we come back. We're going to talk about the differences between organic versus conventional versus GMO potatoes and more. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. But I just said that.
3: We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. like what you hear on harvesting happiness talk radio subscribe to us on itunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device that's harvesting happiness talk radio on itunes welcome back to harvesting happiness with lisa cypress cayman on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
1: Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us, I urge you to download this podcast and share it. Why? Because caring is sharing. Sharing is caring. It's kind. It's free. It's legal. It's available 24-7. And we're talking about glorious food, certainly the happy place for many of us. And we're also talking with Raghavan Iyer. He is the author of Smashed, Mashed, Boiled, and Bake, a new book about the beautiful potato. And his book has been meticulously researched and tied together with stories and anecdotes that weave in the culture History and social influence of the potato over its 10,000-year history. Raghavan, prior to the break, we talked about um, not putting your potatoes in the fridge. That's a big no-no. We talked about uh, some of the beautiful <laughs> nutritional value of potatoes. What else do we need to know?
4: Um, I think those are, you know, uh, primarily a couple of the most important points. And also, you know, you want to store your potatoes at You've purchased in a darker, cooler spot um, in your pantry. Um, and if you're privy to uh, fresh-sucked potatoes towards the tail end of the growing season, um, if, you are, if, you, if you are fortunate in finding potatoes with the mud still around it, um, that's actually the best way to store that. That way it'll last you through the winter and you scrub what you need just before you're going to use. So uh, that's the other important factor is about storage.
1: That's interesting. So most of us uh, tend to gravitate towards the uh, the cleaner potato because it won't make a mess in the house. And you're advocating for dirty potatoes stored in a cool, <laughs> dark place. I like that. Yes,
4: it. Uh, I think you know, um, dirt is superficial, and so once you clean it up, you get your clean potatoes. So, uh, but in terms of storage, I think that truly is the best way.
1: And for those of us that don't know, myself included, what is the typical harvest season? for potatoes, or is it something that is grown year-round?
4: It is uh, grown year-round uh, in um, different parts of this country as well and also across the world. Uh, it uh, And with, with climates that are fairly warmer, uh, sometimes multiple crops are very, very possible. Um, and uh, But uh, in this neck of the woods, oftentimes you will see uh, potatoes, especially the new potatoes, which are are just starting to, um, to grow, uh, and they are yanked when their leaves are still fresh. Uh, that's usually early spring, but then most of the time the potatoes are, um, they mature under the ground, and um, once the leaves are dried, that's when they yank the roots out um, with the um, potatoes, which are technically tubers, um, and they will... Um, uh, usually do that probably uh, towards the tail end of summer, early fall.
1: Aha! And what about the differences between conventionally grown potatoes, organically grown, and the GMOs? With the with the big like no no sign, I'm putting my fingers across no 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 to GMO. But what are the it, differences? Uh,
4: the differences, you know, obviously when you think about you know um, a potato and how they're harvested and grown. Um, Natural plant breeding methods of coming up with new varietals have been in existence for centuries. And, um, you know, so naturally you're trying to cross breeds that uh, are hopefully known to produce a varietal that is resilient to um, disease. And um, so that has been uh, uh, there for a long time. Fertilizers and pesticides, for instance, have been uh, used in Peru um thousands of years ago and uh, it's uh, called Peruvian guano and it's a byproduct of the coastal seabirds uh, and that's um, um, you know in the 18 in the 1850s they become they became very very uh, popular in terms of producing more nitrogen in the soil um, and um, you know you think about GMO which is they're, they're ba- basically they are genetically modifying um, the organisms, um, to alter the genetic code of a plant to increase um, uh, the precision whereby you're making it much more resilient. So uh, that way you won't need to be using more um, fertilizers and chemicals. Um, and so the modification is not to alter the uh, the nature or the nutritional value of a potato, but it's more to alter the um, gene where it will... Um, uh, prevent you from using more um uh, more pesticides and you know i mean people fall on either side of the um, debate in terms of gmo and it's a personal decision for many people um and so organic potatoes are one of those that you know obviously are becoming more and more popular from a personal standpoint i still um i personally i i purchase organic potatoes as much as i can uh, because it's one of those vegetables if you think about the um uh, the Shoppers Guide to Pesticides and Produce. It's one of those um, Dirty Dozen um, vegetables where it has a, a tendency to absorb and retain um, chemicals and fertilizers, and so um, even if you peel it, and so that's why, um, from a personal standpoint, um, it uh, I prefer um, using organic potatoes in my kitchen. And again, it's a personal choice for a lot of people based on their you know, availability and and their pocketbook, I think, is a big factor.
1: Yeah, your book, smashed, mashed, boiled, and baked, um, which has, uh, you know, seventy five irresistible recipes in in it, in it, also really addresses several. Um, dietary preferences right you Mm -hmm. have uh, recipes in there first of all the the beauty of the potato is it's gluten-free right so in Mm -hmm. this gluten-free crazed society right now um, (laughs) the potato has become very fashionable
4: Uh, Mm -hmm. but
1: you also um, really address vegan lacto-vegetarian and Mm -hmm. lacto-ovo-vegetarian dietary preferences talk a little bit about
4: that Uh, I think it's an important um, factor that, you know, it is a a conversation at every uh, table, I believe, across um, North America and especially across uh, the United States. Um, And so I feel like, you know, when we are cooking, um, we do want to address uh, different dietary restrictions or lifestyle choices that people have. Um, and so the book is, um, is very much reflective of that conversation and, and the era that we are in. Um, and so personally, I, I cook meats all the time, but I am a vegetarian and um, I am a lacto-vegetarian. Uh, and so I always, I guess, uh, keep an extra eye out for, uh, for those of us who uh, do follow a meat-free diet. Um, and uh, veganism also is something that is certainly very much uh, more and more mainstream now. And so identifying those I felt was a natural um, uh, factor in the book. So um, that's why I think I've talked about those. Uh, and I've broken it down by every chapter I identify which recipes are what um, in terms of uh, dietary choices. And
1: what's interesting about the book is you've really broken down the book and the use of potatoes for every course, you know, potatoes mm-hmm. as an appetizer. And I want to give a couple of teasers here with the recipes. You mm-hmm. have a cheesy tarragon tots, um, sweet uh. potato samosas. <laughs> oh, yum. <Yeah. laughs> that
4: sounds so good. good
1: um, job. potatoes for dinner too. I mean, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm
4: sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, you talked about um, the cheesy um, tater tots with fresh tarragon. It's one of my ultimate favorite recipes in the book. And, uh, you know, who doesn't love a good tater tot? Um, But the goal also was, you know, to include uh, every part of the potato. So the potato skins, I've got a great crispy potato skin appetizer um that's um, tossed with the rind of a lime and and cayenne with salt and it's dipped with um, a crème fraîche um, that's uh, punctuated with fresh chives so uh, i feel like it uh, uh it's to me um i wouldn't think twice about actually planning a multi-course uh dinner with um just potatoes as the um as the main um diva and uh, starting from appetizer to dessert. So I feel like it's, um, um, you know, it's something that I'm truly passionate about. And I I mean, you know, even though I've, I've, when I tested all these recipes, people always would say, aren't you bored of potatoes? I go, no, this is a 55 year old passion. How could you get bored of it? And uh, even this morning I had something with potatoes, actually.
1: (laughs) Oh, my so, gosh. Uh, Fabulous. You know, yeah. you know, we're running short on time, and I want to just give a couple more teasers, of, taste teasers here. For dinner, you have mm-hmm. got a sweet potato with chicken and lemongrass, mm. chorizo stuffed hash browns, um, side mm. dishes, the burning love, Danish mashed potatoes with onions and pork belly. Um, mm-hmm. Hasselback potatoes with cardamom butter. These are sides. And then finally for dessert, the one that has really caught my eye is the thick-cut potato crisps with dark chocolate. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Tell us yes. about that before we dance me, out of here and into the kitchen.
4: <laughs> yeah, this is, to me, that's the ultimate combination is combining, you know, potato chips with dark chocolate. And, uh and that's what the recipe does, you know, double fry your potato crisps and then um, dip it in a dark chocolate that I sprinkle with the lavender sea salt. And so um, gorgeous to look at, but it's also, you know, uh, this is one of those, you know, proverbial um, uh, commercials that you see. You can't just stop at one. And, uh, and And I think, you know, you can see once you get this on your plate how... You really can't stop at one, and it's, it's actually excellent even as, uh, when, it, when you combine that with a really nice um, premium ice cream, and so that's a great finale to a meal.
1: Oh my goodness. That might have to be uh, uh, one of my weekend recipes. You have been a delight. I want to give our listeners uh, the contact information. Once again, my guest has been Raghavan Iyer. He is a James Beard Award winner, the author of Smashed, Mashed, Broiled and Baked and Fried. Two. A celebration of potatoes in 75 irresistible recipes. You can find them at ragavanire.com, on Twitter at 660curries, and on Facebook at ragavanire. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination, it cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning, as well as good food. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa cypress Cayman and my guests today, Raghavan Ayer and Christy Jordan, wishing you kind thoughts kinder words and the kindest of actions and of course the best of food until next time remember happiness is an inside job happiness is your inside job harvesting happiness talk radio is produced in collaboration with toginet and kbuu and is available on prx the public radio exchange go out and rock your day and make it a tasty one
0: Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook. Facebook at Harvesting Happiness. Following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Cayman and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.